Today we're going to be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. You can turn there and we're going to look at it here in just a moment. He was not well educated and his manner was rather crude, but he recently got saved. And I'm telling you, he was on fire for the Lord. He just wanted to get involved and serve and, and do something. So every day he would come up to the church and pester the pastor for a daily task. Well, finally the pastor said, hey, I've, I've got a list of 10 families who haven't been in church in months, and your mission is to try to get them back in church however you can do it. And he gave him some church stationery and some stamps so that he could write letters to these families and encourage them to come back to church. Well, about three weeks later, the pastor received a letter from a very prominent physician in the town with a check for $10,000. And the letter read, Dear Pastor, Enclosed is my offering for the last few months. I am so sorry for missing church. But rest assured, I will be present this Sunday and from now on. Sincerely, Bill Jones, MD. P.S. Please inform your secretary that there is only one T in dirty and no C in skunk. All right, I'll give you a second to get that, all right? Uh, as crude as he was, apparently he was very effective, huh? Hey, guys, let me tell you, it is not the duration of your life that matters. It is the donation to life that you make that really counts. If you were to die today, what donation would you have made in your life? Let me put it another way. Have you just been a consumer or are you a contributor? In this passage on giving, Jesus teaches us that giving really has absolutely nothing to do with our assets. It has everything to do with our attitude. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus did not have in mind how big of a house you live in or how many cars you drive or what kind of clothes that you wear because Jesus knows that giving has very little to do with your assets. It has everything to do with your attitude. Okay? Have I got your attention yet? Okay. Today we take up our world mission offering. Everything you give today goes to world missions. And I'm asking you to give. Something Jesus often talked about. Because what you give today is a donation that you're making to life, not only in your life, but for the life of many other people as well. And that contribution counts. It makes a difference. So let me just jump into this passage on giving and let's dissect what Jesus says about making a donation that counts in life. Uh, several verses, I'm going to jump in at verse 20. Are you there? Are you with me? Are you happy? Well, you will be here in just a minute, all right? Here it is, Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Jesus lifted up his eyes to his disciples. That's important to note. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and this is what he says to them. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil. For the Son of Man's sake, 
Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers also did to the prophets. Now, this is hard for us to wrap our minds around, but let's try anyway. Jesus is saying, happy or blessed is the person who has very little, if no, number one, finances. Because he said in verse 20, blessed are you who are poor. So blessed is the person who has no or very little finances. Number two, has no or very little food. Because he says in verse 21, blessed are you who are hungry. And then he said in verse 22, blessed are you when men hate you. That is when you have no friends. Now doesn't that kind of freak you out that Jesus would say that? Blessed. Or happy is the person who has little, if no, finances, food, or friends. Well, I'm here to tell you, church, the world would pass this person by. The, the world would say, you loser, you have no finances, no food, or no friends. But Jesus is saying just the opposite. Jesus is saying this person is really happy, and this person is blessed. Wow. Well, let's read on, see what else Jesus said. Verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall turn to mourning and weeping. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the prophets of old time. Well, now, this is crazy. Jesus is saying, blessed or happy is the person who has very little, if no, finances, food, or friends. And now he is saying in these verses, woe, woe to the person, or wretched is the person who has a whole lot of finances. Verse 24, rich, a whole lot of food. Verse 25, full, a whole lot of friends. Verse 26, people speaking well of you. Are you seeing what Jesus is saying? I know I'm overdoing it here, but get it. It's hard for us to understand that. Jesus is saying, blessed is the man who has no finances, food, or friends. Woe is the person who has a whole lot of finances, food, and friends. Let me tell you, Jesus is dropping a bombshell on these people. In fact, this entire passage has to do with giving. And he says at the very get-go of it, Blessed are you when you have few finances, food, or friends, and woe to you who have a whole lot of finances, food, and friends. So is Jesus anti-rich and pro-poor? No. Because that really has nothing to do with this passage at all. And remember who he's speaking to. He's talking to his disciples. So what Jesus is saying is this. If you give your life to God and to others, even though you may have very little in this life, you're going to be blessed. I got, I got to just step back and, and absorb that a little bit because that's sweet, man. That's good. Jesus said, if you give your life to God and to others, no matter what you have, even if it's very little in this world, God is going to bless you. Can I get an amen from the church? On the other hand, if all you do in your life is collect and consume and store up 
and hold on to. Well, just look what Jesus says about you in verse 24. For you have received your consolation. In other words, you better enjoy it now because this is as good as it's going to get. Okay? If all you do is take in life, if all you are is a consumer and not a contributor, if all you do is hold on to and hoard, dude, just enjoy it because this is all you got. And what I know about money is you're never going to have enough of it, are you? So you know what you know what that means? You're never going to be satisfied. What he's talking about are values and priorities and attitudes. He's asking, what have you committed your life to? What in the world have you given your life for? That's a pretty good question I want to ask you right now. What have you given your life for? It was my first year at, at Hillsdale, which is now Randall. I was in the library, which I'd, I'd gone through all of uh, grade school and high school without even knowing where the library was at my school. I, I just wasn't that kind of a student. But now I'm in college, and, and I had to find the library, and, and I was looking through some books, and, and I found this handwritten line, one-line motto in a book that, uh, you know, I, I, maybe I'd heard it before, but it really never sunk in, and, and it says this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's a pretty good little motto, is it not? Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. So have you given your life for Christ? Are you contributing as a believer, as a child of God? For you see, in stewardship and in life, there is a choice. You have a choice to make. Are you going to be a giver or a taker? Are you going to be a consumer or will you be a contributor? And understand, this really has nothing to do with your assets. It has nothing to do with what you have. What it really has to do with is your attitude. So would you please stop giving the excuse that you don't have anything to give? Because you do. You have time. God gave you that. You have talents. God gave you those. It's pretty cool. I was, I was watching the praise singers back up here during the, the song service, and I looked at each one of these people up here, and I thought, you know, how unique each one of them are and how uniquely God made them and what unique talents and gifts and abilities that these people have. But you know what? Now I'm looking out here at you, and each of you are likewise. Each of you have a unique talent, an ability that God has given you. What are you using that for? What are you giving that to? Are you using it for the kingdom of God? That's why God gave it to you, to be used to help other people out. And you know what? I don't know how much is in your checking account, and it really doesn't matter, because compared to the people around our world, you really do have a lot of treasure. You have a lot of stuff. And so don't give the excuse that you don't have anything to give. Man, I tell you, you have plenty to give. It just comes down to a choice. Look what he said in verse 27. Jesus does a lot of meddling, doesn't he? You're, you think that today I'm meddling in your stuff? No, it's not me meddling. It, it's Jesus. He, he's a pretty good meddler. And here's what he said in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies... 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. So you tell me, how many assets do you really have to have to love your enemy? How large of a checking account do you need to do good to those who hate you? Or to bless those who curse you? Or to do good to those who mistreat you? I want to put it back up on the board because I think it is so important. I hope it comes up on the board. It really has nothing to do with assets. There it is. It has nothing to do with assets, but everything to do with attitude. That's what it comes down to. You know, I know a lot of people who are great givers, but they have very little in life to give, yet they're willing to give what they have. It's remarkable to me when Jesus was looking for someone to model as a giver, he chose a very poor woman who only had a single coin, okay? But she gave all that she had. Even though it was just a single coin, Jesus pointed her out and said, now there's a giver because she had the right attitude in giving. So you know what? It comes down to a choice. Back in the mid-80s, there were several earthquakes that did a great deal of damage in Anchorage, Alaska. With millions of dollars of damage, the governor's office was flooded with complaints and requests. So finally, the governor went on TV telling the people that everything possible was being done and to ask for their help and their cooperation and their patience. And he closed his little tidbit by showing them a three-by-five card that had been sent to him by a 10-year-old boy. There were two nickels taped to the white card and handwriting which said, use this wherever needed, and if you need more, please let me know. First service people laughed about that. Maybe they appreciate the two nickel thing, I don't know. But you know what? It all comes down to attitude. Millions of dollars of damage was done. And here's a little kid. You know what? Maybe he didn't have a whole lot, but he gave what he had. He gave what he had and he made a difference. It's all in your attitude. Well, again, here in just a little bit, we're going to give a world mission offering. And you know what? I am very unapologetic today in asking you to give because here's what I believe. I believe everyone in this room can give something to world missions. And everything that you give today, everything you give is going to world missions today. We're going to send it to the International Missions Department of Free Will Baptist. They're going to disperse it to our missionaries. And God is going to do great things with what you give today. But before we do that, I want to share with you three truths about givers. Three things that Jesus points out in this passage that is true about all givers. Number one... Givers live on a higher level than other people. Did you get that? Givers live on a higher level than most people. In fact, in life, there are two roads. Givers take the high road, and keepers walk the low road. What separates the givers and the takers on this high road? I think three things. Number one, givers are doers. They just don't see a need and do nothing about it. They see a need... And they do something. Givers are givers. Givers are doers. Look at verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. 
And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Now, what tremendous truths about givers do we see here? This is not a person produced by the world. This is a person whose heart has been transformed by the grace and power of God. That's enabled them to be a giver and walk this high road. They do the good thing. Givers do the right thing regardless. It was Socrates who said, know thyself. And, you know, I really hope that through your life you come to know yourself. That'd be pretty cool. I change so much I have to reintroduce myself to me quite often, but, you know. Socrates, know yourself. It was Cicero who said, control thyself. And that would be a good lesson for a lot of you to learn. (laughs) Maybe us, all of us. We we need to exhibit self-control, do we not? So Socrates said, know thyself. Cicero said, control thyself. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, give thyself. Give thyself. Why? Because God is a giver. One of the great attributes about God is that he gives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when we follow Jesus, we are to become givers as well. You see, people who have given their life to Jesus, they're always giving back. Because they have experienced the greatest gift of all. The gift of forgiveness. And Christianity is not a list of don'ts. Christianity is a list of do's. We are to love, this passage says. We are to do good. We are to bless and pray. We are to turn the other cheek. We are to give and we are to keep on giving. So givers walk the high road. Givers are doers. Givers are also doing more than is expected of them. Look at verse 31. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But listen, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive more back. Jesus is meddling again. Three times in these verses, he asked that question, what credit is that to you? I mean, what credit is it if you love people who love you? I mean, big deal. Sinners do that. What credit is it to you that if you just do good to people who are always doing good to you? That's no big deal. That's the way the world operates. What credit is it to you if you are willing to give only if somebody gives back to you. I mean, what crit- the, that's the way the world operates. Jesus is talking about something totally different. Jesus is saying, you know what? This is not the way the world operates. The world doesn't understand this kind of giving and living. It is unnatural to them. This is the high road. It's being salt and light. You are loving and doing good, and you are giving to others. You are doing more than is expected. So givers walk the high road. They're doers. They're givers. They they do more than is expected, and also they do good 
asking nothing in return. Look at verse 35. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and even the evil. There's a great paradox in these verses. Did you pick it up? The paradox is, and lend, that is, give to others, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. It's not the way the world runs, man. In fact, the bad steward is the one who gives and waits for something in return. They're really not givers. You know what they are? They're traders, both to God and to others. Well, I'll lend, but you better give me something back that's better than what I give you. On the other hand, the good steward gives without expecting anything in return. Wow, that's a huge difference. Let me ask you, do you know people who keep score? Do you know people who do the trade thing? Well, we took them out two times. They've not reciprocated. It's horrible to live life like that because that's not the way of a giver. You see, a giver does good asking nothing in return. You know, as I processed all of this this week, it it dawned on me, really, when when it comes to giving, there are three levels of giving. There is a top level, which is grace giving. And and that's the way you live life. You just live by God's grace, and, and you're always asking, what can God do through me? How can God bless other people through me? And, you know, I hate using myself as an example because I am a horrible example. But I went a month ago to Free Will Baptist Bible College, Welch College, to preach their Bible conference. And right before I left, God spoke to me. I mean, God God was, it it was as if I were having a conversation with God in my office and and he were talking to me out loud. He wasn't, but it was like that. And God said, Will, I'm going to use you at Welch to be a blessing. And I kind of got got excited. I said, man, I'm going to preach good then. You know, I'm really going to let them have it and preach the word, and they're going to be impressed with my oratory skills. God said, no, that's not it. I want to use you in another way, and I want you to bless some students there. And he said, take with you some $100 bills. So I went to the bank, and I withdrew a few $100 bills. and, And on the way... To Nashville, God again spoke to me and told me exactly what the plan was and what I was going to do. And, and I spoke just two times. The first time I got up and uh, before I preached, I said, anybody out there, if a student is out there from Texas, stand up. And there were three students at Welch from Texas. And, and I said, well, congratulations, you're from the greatest state there is. Yeah. And nobody said anything. I said, okay, are any of the three of you a, a ministerial student? And n- none of them were. And I said, okay, what, what about missions or any kind of ministry? And, and this one young man raised his hand. He said, well, I'm a missions minor. I said, you won. Come on up here, buddy. And so he came up to the front, and I pulled out a $100 bill, and I gave it to him. And his eyes got about that big around, and everybody else's eyes got real big. And he said, it was so funny, he looked at me and he said, what do I do with it? And I said, dude, you can do anything you want with it. It's yours. Take it. Later on that day, I had lunch with that young man, and here's what he said to me. He said, you were such a blessing to me today. At the end of this semester, I'm getting married, and that $100 is is going for my honeymoon. Thank you. 
Thank you. I said, okay, this is pretty cool. This is cool. The next night I preached, mine was the last sermon, and I got up, and I mean, when I got up, all those kids, man, they just kind of, they, you know, they just kind of anticipated I was going to pull another hundred out. And so uh, I said, how many of you wish you were from Texas? And every one of them raised their hand. Isn't that cool? I said, but you're going to have to listen to my sermon, and then at the end, we'll, we'll do business, all right? We'll do the money-changing thing. Now, here's the whole thing. Here's the, here's the reason God had me do this. Uh, we have at Welch a, a young uh, girl who's there whose parents are missionaries, and she was raised on the mission field. It's her first semester there, and, and I've, I found out that she was kind of struggling with some things, and God wanted me to bless her. And so God arranged this whole thing just for that one girl, for me to bless this one girl. And, and as far as I knew... She was the only, you know, kid that was in there who was raised on the mission field. And I, I felt pretty confident because I had a couple other $100 bills in my pocket just to make sure. And, and so I, I stood up at the end and I said, okay, uh, of you students, how many of you were raised on the mission field? Your parents are missionaries and you were raised there. Four kids stood up. <laughs> and I'm choking up there, man. I'm dying. I, I knew in this pocket I had two $100 bills. And in my other pocket, I had all the rest of my cash. And I'm thinking, Russ, I'm thinking, do I have? <laughs> Please, Lord, let there be a couple of more $100 bills over there that I haven't seen in a long time, you know. Because I, I, I could not have, you know, said, oh, well, I'm just picking one of y'all. I, so I blessed all four of them. All four of them came up. I did find two more, and I peeled out four more $100 bills. Let me tell you, they gave me an honorarium for coming and speaking, I lost money on that gig. <laughs> I lost money. But you know what? Big deal. Big deal. Why? Because I was grace giving. I was saying, God, how can you use me to bless somebody else? And I guarantee you, those five kids will never forget what was done to them and the gift that was given to them, and hopefully it will prepare them to be givers in their own life. That's grace giving. That's the top level giving. The middle level of giving is what I call grit giving. You're sitting there gritting your teeth asking, what is God going to make me give today? <laughs> and you don't want to give it. The bottom level is get even. And, and that goes back to, you know what, I, I ain't, I'm not going to do anything because nobody's done anything for me. And when you live on this bottom level, you're always wanting to do unto others as you have just been done unto. Do you get that? And that's not a good way to live. Uh, here's the response of these people. Bottom level people, the get even people, I I'm not going to give anything. I'm not going to give. And why should I give? And if you live life that way, let me tell you, you're going to be a miserable person. You're going to be a lonely person because that's not what God is about. God is not about greed and hoarding. God is about giving. The middle level person, their response is, I'll give, I will give, but you know what? I'm expecting something back. Those people are always real frustrated because they're never going to get back in return what they think they deserve. Whether it's in dealing with other people or in dealing with God. Okay, God, I'll give money to the world mission offering, but I expect a blessing in return. It doesn't work that way. 
Because you know what? God has promised to bless us, but it may not even be in this life that we get blessed. I'll talk about that in a moment. Top level is, you know what? I'm going to give knowing that God, not other people, is the resource, and that is the high road of giving. And that's giving with the right attitude. So, number one, givers live on a higher level than other people. Number two, givers understand the principle of sowing and reaping. Look at verse 37. Judge not and, notice that word and, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Guys, let me tell you, that's a pretty good way to live, isn't it? If you, Jesus is saying if you forgive, God is going to forgive you. You know, if you don't condemn, God is not going to condemn you. If, if you. if you don't judge and forgive, then God is not going to judge you and God is going to forgive you. And then he says this right in the middle. Give and it will be given to you. Did you get that? You give and it will be given to you. How? In good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use... It will be measured back to you. So here is the principle of sowing and reaping. And again, understand, sowing and reaping is not, I give you something now and you give me something back in return. It's not it at all. The principle of sowing and reaping is this. I understand that it all belongs to God in the first place. He is the source of everything. God is the source of your life. You wouldn't be alive sitting here today if it weren't for God. God is the source of everything you have. You might say, well, God doesn't bust himself getting up every morning, going to that job, working, putting up with that kind of junk. It's me that does that. But you know what? God gave you the job. God gave you the ability to put up with the junk you put up with. All the junk in your garage. How many of y'all need to have a garage sale? Raise your hand. Come on, I want to see this. Maybe we could go in together, all right? Because there's a bunch of junk in my garage. We lived in our house 20 years. It, it is amazing how much junk you accumulate in 20 years. The attic is full. The garage is full. Closets are full. We need to get rid of junk. And, and I step back and I look at it and say, you know what? All this stuff came from God. It belongs to God. It's His. And that is the principle of, of sowing and reaping. As I give and as I sow, you know what? I'm just sowing God's stuff. And however God wants to give the benefit back, and however he wants me to reap the blessing, that's up to him because it's his stuff. The principle of sowing and reaping is not, understanding, not only understanding that God is the source, also it's doing good without seeking the reward. You know, I'm, I'm going to give... I'm going to give, and I'm going to let God give back into me. I'm just going to let him take care of it. It's sowing and letting God give the benefit back. Maybe you've heard the story of Winston Churchill and Alexander Fleming. Winston Churchill was a boy, and he was in Scotland visiting friends and went swimming in their backyard, and he almost drowned in their swimming pool. Alexander Fleming was a 12-year-old boy, the son of the gardener. He jumped into the pool and saved Winston Churchill's life. Well, the elder Churchill was so grateful that he told young Alexander Fleming, I'm going to pay for your education. 
Whatever you want to do in your life, I, I will pay for that education. And so Alexander Fleming said, well, I, I'd like to be a doctor. So Mr. Churchill paid for his medical degree. Then you fast forward through the lives of these two men. Churchill later in life was in Egypt. He became deathly ill with pneumonia. Fleming was now a doctor. And he had discovered a new medication that he went to Egypt with to treat Churchill. And the new medication that Fleming had discovered was penicillin. And so for the second time, Fleming saved Churchill's life. The reason he was able to do it the second time is because Mr. Churchill did some sewing. <laughs> he did some investing. And then they were able to reap the blessing. The Bible says, cast your bread on the water, and in many days it will return to you. I'm not finished with my sermon, but I keep telling you, here in a minute we're going to give a world mission offering. Whenever I think of, of giving offerings like this, my mind goes to this principle of sowing and reaping. And you know what? The offering I give today... Something I prayed about, God told me exactly what to give. I've already written the check. It's in my pocket. I'll put it in the offering plate in a minute. I may not receive any reaping from this sowing while I'm alive. You know what? It's okay with me if I don't. I don't care because that's not why I give. What I really hope happens is that I reap the eternal benefits of this gift in heaven. I really hope that, that one day in heaven somebody walks up to me and and it's like that old Ray Bolt song. Remember Ray Bolt's song? Thank you for giving to the Lord. Man, I love that song. I, I, I re I'd really like to sing it for you. <laughs> but I won't. In the song, this guy's imagining that, that he, he's dreaming and he went to heaven. And in his dream, he, he meets these people in heaven that he had had an impact on in life. One of them was a, was a kid that was in his Sunday school class when he was only eight years old. And the teacher would pray every week. And one Sunday that boy asked Jesus into his heart. And so he's saying thank you to this man for being a witness to him. Another verse says this. Then another man stood before you and said, remember the time? A missionary came to your church. His pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I tell you what, it's worth the gift, isn't it? Just to think that, that maybe what I give today is going to be used, I don't know, in Japan. I've got some friends who are missionaries in Japan. I pray for him every day. Maybe God is going to take my gift today and use that gift to, to win somebody to Jesus in Japan. We had friends here not long ago in, from Uruguay, the Provos. They just made it back to Uruguay, and they're starting their new ministry there. Maybe God is going to take some of our gifts today and allow Josh and Lydia Provo to win countless people to Christ in Bulgaria. This summer we had a young missionary come to our church who's now in the plains of Africa. She's a young nurse. And every day she's ministering to, to people in the plains of Africa. Maybe God is going to use our gift today 
to win people to Jesus in Africa. What you're doing, my friend, is sowing a seed. Let God give the increase. And that brings me to my final point about givers. Givers are blessed by God. Look at verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I guarantee you, you give with the right attitude, God will bless you. What else can I say about it? He'll change you. He'll bless you. John D. Rockefeller Sr. was a billionaire at the age of 50. But he was so eaten up with sickness and, 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 and the sickness was because of his greed for life. He was not a giver. In fact, when he turned 53, the doctors told him he'd be lucky to live one more year. He, he sustained himself on crackers and milk. But, but then something happened. He, he started giving some of his money away. He gave to churches and to hospitals and medical advancement through the Rockefeller Foundation. And all of a sudden, through his giving, God released the poison that was in his own system. And he went on to live till he was 90 years old. Well, some of you in this room are killing yourself because you're only concerned and consumed with yourself. And because of that, you have become bitter and angry and even stingy. You don't like to be around yourself, much less does other people like to be around you. Guys, would you please wake up today and realize it's not the duration of your life that really matters. It's the donation you make back to life that counts. And I mean... You're not going to be here forever. Do you realize that? As soon as you were born, you started to die. And your day might be today. Angie and I were in a discussion this week over an event that happened in our family of how short life is and how brief life is. And you know what? Life can turn on a dime. Life can change just like that. I want to say thank you to those who have been praying for my family Wednesday night, my, my oldest nephew on my, my Harmon side, my nephew Jason Hayslip, was involved in a horrible accident. My sister's oldest son, she had three boys, and Jason is the oldest. Uh, he's 39 years old, lives in Midland, Texas. Uh, a few, just past year, Jason bought the Peyton Bicycle Shop in Midland. Now, I could talk days and days about Midland, Texas and all the history here, but Peyton Bicycle Shop was, was a long-standing business in Midland. In fact, when I was a little kid, Peyton's Bicycle Shop was selling bicycles. My first Swin 10-speed came from Peyton's Bicycle Shop. <laughs> My nephew Jason loves bicycles. He used to race BMX. And so he left the telephone company and bought Peyton Bicycle Shop. Loves it. Doing great with it. Loves to ride bicycles. He races, road races, bicycles. This past Wednesday night, a, a group left his store, Peyton Bicycle Shop, on a 30-mile ride. There were about 30 of them who, who left the store, and they 
they ride through Midland out in the country and then they come back to the store. They're on the last leg of the race. Jason and his two best friends were in the lead. In fact, there was a big gap between them and the rest of the group and, and they had made a turn. They were on a different road and, and as they were traveling down this road, a drunk driver came up behind them in a pickup and ran them over. My nephew's two best friends were killed. Just like that. It threw Jason, we don't know exactly how far. I've been told it could have thrown him as far as 100 feet. Broke two vertebrae in his back. Broke his collarbone, punctured his lung. Beat up, bruised. But for some reason, God spared his life. Usually when they ride, my nephew takes the outside lane. For some reason, he was on the inside, and uh, it, it just nicked him. It didn't run him over. But Angie and I were talking. You know what? That morning when these two guys woke up with their wives and their little children, because both of these guys were married, had little kids, they did not expect that tragedy to occur on Wednesday night. When they left the bicycle shop, I'm telling you, these wives weren't worried that their husbands were going to die because something they had done for years. But just like that, it happened. Multiple lives were changed. It makes me think of something else. What good does it do a man to gain the whole world? If he loses his own soul. Now thank God these, these young men were Christians. They believed in the Lord. I'm thankful for that. My nephew, he plays, he plays the guitar in their church's band. And, and, and he loves the Lord as well. I'm thankful for that. But you know what? We don't know how long we have. Today could be your day. So what are you doing with your life? When you stand before God... And he asked, what have you done with your life? What are you going to be able to say? Well, God, I, 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 I really consumed a lot. <laughs> I hoarded up. I had a big bank account. I stored away a whole bunch of stuff. But when he asked you, how much did you give to the kingdom? What did you give to me? What did you give to other people? What are you going to be able to say? Because God, that, that's what matters in life. is not the duration it's the donation. 